I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now, while you're turning, as soon as you find that, we want to take a minute and do something here. This is the weekend where we celebrate what we call Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is not the kickoff of the summer season. It's not the best time at the beach. This is a very important time for us. This is the time where we pause to remember that the only reason I get to do what I'm doing is because somebody was willing to put on the uniform of this nation and lay down their lives on a foreign field. And this is where we pause to remember that great men and women gave up the right and the opportunity to open Christmas presents with their children, to walk their daughters down the aisle one day, and they died young on a foreign field so I could do that. We, we cannot measure the debt of gratitude that we owe these people. And so this is the weekend where we pause. That's what memorial means. It means remember to look back. Where we remember that the only reason I'm not speaking German right now is because somebody suffered and died as a young man so I could do this. The only reason you didn't have to get up this morning and be scared of some punk dictator throwing you in jail because you said what you thought is because somebody was willing to die. The freedom we enjoy came at a tremendous price. And some young man, some young lady suffered so we could have it. So we're going to pause and remember. I've got something I want to show you. And then we're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Our nation's not perfect. But when people start criticizing my nation, let me tell you something. There's flights leaving every day. We have got one of the greatest places on this earth. And the freedom we enjoy is precious. The large majority of this world would give everything they've got to be able to have what you've got. And it was paid for by the blood of our military. So this weekend, we pause to remember, thank God for his goodness and these folks who sacrificed. Let her fly there, boys. Extraordinary men and women went before us with unmatched resilience, enduring hardship. When called upon to defend and liberate, they said, yes. They found courage to rise with every sun, loyalty toward their country, discipline for every command. Even in the darkest hours, they said, yes. They cherished and fought for freedom, so those coming behind them were assured of it. And when the moment came for them to give it all, their futures never to be written. They said, yes. Today, we think upon their sacrifice and find our way to honor them, saying yes to making the most of what they gave us and filling the earth with God's goodness. We thank them for their yes. They will never be forgotten. pray together. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Father, I want to praise you and thank you that I can do anything I want to do in this land. I can preach anything I want to preach. I can raise my family like I believe is the best way. I can start a business. I can do anything I want to do. And I praise you and thank you. That's called freedom. Thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But on this day, we pause to remember and to say thank you for thousands of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, just really boys who never made it home so we could enjoy this freedom. 
I praise you and thank you that the tremendous price that was paid so that we can enjoy what we enjoy will always be remembered. Freedom is your gift to us. You're the God of freedom who sets people free. And I thank you and praise you on this day that the American military set me free on the outside and Jesus set me free on the inside. And we give you the praise and glory and honor. Their memory will always be precious. And we pray in Jesus' name on this day as we pause to remember that we never reach the place where familiarity breeds contempt. And we forget how blessed we are and how fortunate we are and how people are begging and risking their lives to get where we are so they can enjoy what we do. That's how great this land is. Thank you for the freedom we enjoy. And we honor those who paid the price to give it to us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. What a precious time. I love this day. What a precious time it is. All right. We're going to look today at the great lie. We're going to talk about a lie today. The Bible speaks of many lies, but there's one lie in the Bible that is so big that it's called the great lie. Several times when it's mentioned in the Bible, it has a capital L. It's that big. It's called the lie. And we're going to talk about the lie in the Bible today. You heard it today, probably. You'll hear it all your life. But we're going to talk about the great lie. All right, we're, going to look, we're not going to look at it for time's sake, but as you know, Genesis is the first of the Bible. And I want to take just a minute to talk to you about the first two chapters of Genesis. Here's the message of the first two chapters of Genesis. God is good. Amen. He is good beyond measure. The, first, the Bible begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the most beautiful earth. I mean, it's magnificent. I love the outdoors. I'm, I'm a fan of the outdoors. He said to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. He created man. He put him in the earth. Listen, listen, of all the beautiful things God has created, man is his crowning achievement. Man's his favorite thing, mankind. He put man in the earth. He said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I'll make him a wife. I'll make a help meet. So he brought them together. He created them, brought them together. said, I want y'all to do life together. Help meet. Marriage is help meet. Somebody who will help me meet the challenges of life. Two can do it better than one. That's why he created a help meet. Help me to meet the challenges of life. And, and he said, the garden's yours. Potential's yours. Be fruitful. Show me what you can do. They were naked and not ashamed. There was no garbage, no psychological wounding, no emotional damage. They were perfectly free. They enjoyed. Doc, it don't get no better in Genesis 1 and 2. It don't get no better. Back to the garden. The problem comes in Genesis 3. When somebody shows up, and let me throw this in before we get there. God created the heavens and the earth in six days rested on the seventh. But we have no idea how long the time frame was from the creation of man to Genesis 3. Could have been years, could have been months, but there was a period of time where after creation, man and woman lived in this perfect state. I mean, no human can imagine. It was wonderful. And all of a sudden in Genesis 3, something happens. And here's where we're going to look today. Genesis chapter 3. Here we are in this perfect earth, perfect life. Verse 3. Now the serpent, uh, turn me down just to hear there, bud. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he came to the woman and he said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now let me go back a second. If you know the Bible, you know, he put him in the garden. And uh, a lot of people think there are too many rules. They had one rule, one. Don't eat that tree right there. All they had. And so that's all they had to do. He said, go enjoy your life. Have, have a great time. Prosper. That's what it meant. Be fruitful. And this serpent approaches the woman and he says to her, did God say you can't eat of that tree? 
That made me think that serpent knew good and well he had said. Yeah. Sound to me like he, he might be a liar. Yeah. He said, did God say you can't eat of that tree? All right, watch what the woman says right here. This is foundational truth for our lives. And the woman said to the serpent, we can eat of the fruit of the trees. We can eat everything on this earth. Everything in the earth is available to us. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, or I will kill you. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. It doesn't say I will kill you. It says, lest you die. God didn't kill him. If I give my son, when he turns 16 years old, I hand him the keys to his truck and he can, today you got your license. Go enjoy yourself, son. Be careful. Drive careful. Don't speed. Don't drink. Don't drive like an idiot or it'll kill you. Do I want to kill him? I'm trying to keep him from being killed. When God said, don't eat that tree, it'll kill you. He wasn't trying to kill him. He was trying to keep him from being killed. And she said, that's right. If I eat of that tree, that tree will hurt you right there. And my father has warned me about that tree so he can protect me. Watch this. Verse four, the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. Lying sucker. He will, they will die. Do you think the enemy is deceived here? By the way, you know who this serpent is. Why did he say God is telling a lie? All right, verse five is the key verse. Here it is. Watch verse five. God knows. Now listen, he, he didn't just call God a liar. Now he's going to get, now he's going to get crafty. God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you can become like God knowing good and evil. My goodness. All right. He comes along. He said, can you not touch that tree? She said, that, that tree will kill you. He said, no, it won't. That tree won't kill you. That's not the big lie. The big lie is in verse five. And this is the same lie that you've heard all your life. It's the biggest lie told in human history. I've underlined some words in verse five. Let's read it again. God knows in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. I've underlined these words. You be God good. That's the greatest lie ever told. That's the first lie ever told in the world. It's the greatest lie told in human history. You be God, good things will happen. You be God and you will find good. Uh, basically what he came along and he told this lady was, it's just cut to the chase. <clears throat> he said this, God is going to rip you off. God's keeping something from you. God's holding you back. And here's what he said. You can do a better job with your life than God can. Don't, don't do what he says. By the way, he, he didn't even tell the truth. You be God and things will be better. It's the greatest lie ever told in human history. It's the only thing that's ever done damage in this earth and it's still being believed today. Now, may I appeal to you for just a second? <laughs> he said, if you'll be God, things will be better. How much flaming better could they get? I mean, what was wrong with where they were at? I mean, they had the greatest life possible. He comes and says, you can, you, can, you can do better than God can. This is what God did. Now, I want to ask you a question. Those of you who know Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Did he? And by the way, she fell for it. She disobeyed God. She ate the tree. Her eyes were opened. And, and let, let, can I just appeal to you? He says, um, if you'll do this, you will know good and evil. Why would I want to know evil? 
this is dumb. So why do I keep falling for it? Question. <laughs> she opened her eye. I mean, she ate. Their eyes were open, yada, yada. Did things get better or worse after that? What's the first thing that happened? As soon as it's over, shame comes into the earth. The first thing it said to happen, immediately they became ashamed of themselves. What floods the earth the moment we disobey God? Low self-esteem, emotional problems, all this crap. What's the next thing happened? This man who had loved his wife, covered her, cared for her, he starts criticizing her. And division comes between a husband and a wife. A few verses later, their older son murders their younger son. Oh, things are much better now, aren't they? Now that you are God, are things not better? You be God, good. Looks to me like you be God, tragedy. This is the first lie ever told. It is the lie still being told in this world and people still believe in it. Um, you know what I want to, after I read this, and by the way, this is the foundation of creation and this is, this is the mess that God has sent the crap we're in in this land right now. You know what I'm going to go back and say after all this? You lied to them. Imagine that, a liar telling lies. You lied to them and they fell for it and now we're in trouble. And dear ones, this is the history of humanity is found in these two chapters right here. All world history flows out of this. The same liar is still saying to people, you can do better than God can. You be God, it will be good. What's world history tell us? I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify all of world history, but here it is. You're not as good a God as God is. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but if you be God, it will not be good. If you let him be God it will be good. The greatest lie told in world history is don't let him be God. You'll get ripped off. You be God. It'll be better. And how are we doing with that? This is, this is what drives our planet right now. This is the history of all of humanity. And uh, it's not just history. It's what's going on today. Life is not, they're not multiple choices in life. I don't see but two choices. He can be God or you can be God. That's all I see. I don't see mo I don't see three choices. I don't see a thousand choices. I see you either going to let God be God or you're going to be God, period. And your life will be dictated by who your God is. Can I point something out here? Satan, who was the serpent, he didn't say to them, let me be God. He didn't want them to follow Satan. He didn't want them to follow him. What did he say? You be God. He gave them the choice. You can let God run your life or you can run your life. And I just want to point out, when God was large and in charge, everything looked pretty good to me. Well, you think I'd be excited about living outdoors with the most beautiful woman on earth, her running around naked all the time. I'm all about that. Just to pot, not put too fine a point on it. And ever since we took over as God, we've been in a mess. You say, you, you were oversimplifying it. The enemy complicates it. The Bible is the truth of the ages. This is just, this is just, this is every person's truth right here. It's so simple. All right, everybody gets to make a choice. Every human being still hears two voices. One says, follow me. The other one says, uh-uh-uh-uh, you, you follow him, life will suck. Follow you. You be God and it will be good. Everybody still hears two voices. And I'm not talking about one time in your life. I'm talking about every day of your life, you're going to hear two voices. One is called, the name of one, he calls himself in John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life. To have life, you've got to follow the way, which is truth. 
The other one is called in the Bible. Guess what he's called? I'm going to show you in a minute. He's called the liar. I think this is so wrong to promise somebody something good, lying to them so you can... I came up with this phrase, steal, kill, and destroy them. That's what liars do. They lie to you so they can destroy you. History of my world right here. That's what's going on in the land right now, today. All right, I want to show you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Two simple steps. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 118. I'm going to give you the truth of the Bible. And there was the message of the Bible can be put in one sentence. The Bible is not complicated. It can be put in one simple sentence. And in Psalm 118, here's the whole Bible in one verse. I'm going to give you the whole Bible. If you, in, in case you want to read the Bible, read one verse right here. You'll have it. So this is the whole Bible compacted into one verse. It's Psalm 118, verse 1, and it says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And His loving kindness to humanity will last forever. There's the whole Bible in one sentence. God is good. Listen, God be God, good. You be God, not so good. This is not deep, dear ones. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And He will never... You know what it means? The word is hesed, loving kindness. He will never stop being good to those who will follow Him. The Lord is good, and He does good. We're going to keep... By the way, this is kindergarten today. Kindergarten. We've got to go back to kindergarten today. He's just that good. All right. Now, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Everybody out there watching, everybody in here, I'm going to ask you a simple question. What you want? What do you want in life? If I were to ask you, what are you looking for in life? Uh, what would you say? Now, I'm, I'm a poll freak. I'm a stat freak. I love to read polls. Mr. Barnes is the major Christian pollster in America. Mr. Gallup's the major secular pollster in America. But there's one thing pollsters always agree on. If you ask Americans, and I think all people in the, in the plan, on the planet, if you ask Americans, what do you want more than anything else in life? The majority always put one thing first. Take a wild guess. Happiness. Yes, people, I, just, I hear girls say, I just want to find a man that'll make me happy. If his name ain't Jesus, get you a dog. I hear all this stuff about, I, the bottom line is people just want to be happy. They think this job will make them happy. They think this woman or this man will make them happy. They think this new location will make them happy. This car will make them happy. It will for a few days till there's McDonald's wrappers in the back. We're searching for happiness. Who put it in the heart of mankind to, to crave happiness? You said, was it wrong to crave happiness? No. Somebody wrote their law in my heart. But everybody's looking for happiness. All right, what do you think would bring you happiness? You say, well, everybody's probably got different stuff. Can I take you through some scriptures for just a moment? And I want you to be thinking about this as we look at these scriptures. What are you looking for? Turn with me to Psalm 128. This is the foundational psalm of my life. Psalm 128. And uh, by the way, this is the truth. Psalm is the truth. Psalm 128. Now we read in Psalm 118 that the Lord is good and he's never going to stop being good. He is. I want you to just, let's don't do a deep, deep study here. Let's just peruse Psalm 128. Follow this with me. Blessed. The word blessed means God's going to do good things for people. Anytime you see the word blessed in the Bible, if you're from the southern part of uh, the country, it's blessed. But it blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Let me stop for just a minute there. Fear doesn't mean be afraid like your drunk daddy's going to come home and beat you. It's the Hebrew word honors. 
matter of fact, fears is a terrible translation of that word because it makes you think you should be afraid of your daddy. It's the word honor. Now, my children are not the least bit afraid of me. When they were little and I'd come in the door, they did not run. They didn't run in the closet and hide. They ran to me and tackled me and we wrestled. My children loved me, but my children honored me. They honor me to this day. So understand when the Bible says fear the Lord, it means respect or honor. All right. Blessed. God does things for every person who two things. Number one, honors him. What's the other one? Walks in his way. Dear ones, it's not right, left, up, down, my way or his way. Life always boils down to my way or his way. Which way is the better way, my way or his way? Now, remember this. There's a liar in the earth saying your way will be good. You be God. And by the way, God doesn't mean you sit on a throne. It just means you run the show. It just means you call the shots. Blessed is everyone who honors the Lord, who walks in his way. Now watch this. All right, you, got, you understand what this means? It doesn't, by the way, it didn't say go to church. It didn't say be religious. It didn't say claim to be a Christian. It said follow the man. Walks in his way. Now watch this. <clears throat> when you eat the fruit of your hands, you shall be happy. What was you looking for? What were you looking for? Did God Almighty not just promise happiness to those who let him run the show? By the way, fruit of your hands, it means you'll be successful. It means you will go to work with your hands. Work is good. You'll have an occupation, but it will be fruitful. God will bless your work and you will find happiness in your life. What were you looking for? Sadness? What were you looking for? Misery? You will be happy. Watch these words. It will be well with you. How many of you like to have a good life? Life will go well with you. That's what I'm looking for. <clears throat> go a little bit further. The most important thing I have in my life is my relationship with God. I love him. He's a father to me. It should be the first thing in everybody's life. But let me tell you something. With few exceptions, most people are married and your marriage should be heaven on earth. God did not create marriage to be hell on earth. He did not say, I will create a battle axe for him. He said, I will create a help meet for him. He didn't say, I will create a wrestling partner. He said, I will create a help meet for him. And there is nothing sweeter on this earth. Marriage is like sweet tea. When it's good, it's wonderful. When it's bad, it is nasty. And there's not much in between there. The Bible says, just watch this. Well, let me read it to you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. God makes marriage wonderful. Remember, blessed is the man who lets me run his life. I'll make his marriage great. If you're a woman, I'll make your marriage great. God blesses my work. He makes me happy. Life goes well with me. He makes my marriage wonderful. What were you looking for, Doc? You, you can do better than this. Good luck. Go a little further here with me. <clears throat> In the very heart of your house, latter part of verse three, your children will be like olive plants all around your table. That don't mean your kids gonna have vines around them. A thriving olive plant in the Bible is a picture of health and prosperity and blessing. God will bless your children. What does it mean around your table? Your family will be together. Family should be the dearest thing on earth to us. Do you want a great? <clears throat> All the money in the world can't buy a great marriage. Nothing can replace a great family. God makes families great. Blessed by God is the man who... Here it is. I, I don't know what people are looking for. We'll go a little bit further here. Verse four, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who honors the Lord. Let him run the show. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem. Watch this. All the days of your life. 
I don't want to just have a great life for a few years and then blow it all to pieces. I want my life to be well till I get old. And then I want to croak and go see my father. What does it mean? All the days of your life. And uh, look at this. God's all about old people too. And may you see your children's children. I'll bless you till you're an old person and I'll bless you down to the third generation. What'd you want, man? Peace. What's the word there? I want you to notice something. What's the last thing it says? Peace. If you ask people, what's the, what do you want? Across the board, surveys say happiness is number one. Peace is number two. People want peace of heart. They want peace on the inside. Instead of being afraid, upset, worried about the future, people want to find peace. What he just promised right there. If, there, if I had nothing except Psalm 128, guess what I'd do? I'd say, you know what? I'm going to honor the Lord and I'm going to do what the man says because this is what I want. What were you wanting in life? Has somebody lied to you? Has somebody told you that you can do better than that? You can do better than that? This is what God does to people. God gives people great lives. God makes people happy. You just read it. God makes marriages sweet and wonderful. God makes families great. God blesses the work of your hands and they prosper. What you looking for, Doc? I mean, I... There has got to be a liar in the land. Why would you not follow the man? We don't, we don't want to be as, well, we've all been there. T turn a few pages. Let me show you another one of my favorites. Psalm 144. Psalm 144. We could just go page after page in the Bible and see the same thing. I, all of this is expanding on Psalm 118, one that says the Lord is good. I want to make an announcement. God is good. And this is his goodness. This is what he does. Come on, man. You ought to be able to just go outdoors and look around and say, he pretty good. I'm not talking about the buildings and the dump trucks and the people fighting on the news. I'm talking about what he created before we screwed it up. You should be able to look at the sunset and say, that's good right there. You should. God is good. All right. I just happen to love Psalm 144 also. Let's read a little bit of this here. Look at me in verse 11 of Psalm 144. Rescue me. Y'all remember that? Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words. What do you say? Somebody's lying to me. Help me. Rescue me from the lie. I do not want what happened to Adam and Eve to happen to me. And I don't want my children killing each other. Rescue me from those lying words. And if God will rescue me from the lie... What will happen? Look in the next verse, verse 12. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. Our daughters sculptured as pillars in palace style. Now that's, I don't want my daughter to look like a pillar out on a porch. It's biblical language for that our children might do great. That they might be strong and prosper. If God rescues me, what happens? My kids do great. What were you looking for, man? Watch this, verse 13, that our barns may be full supplying all kinds of produce. How would you like to have an abundance? If we can get these lying words out of here, we can have an abundance. Let's go a little further. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in the fields that my business might be successful. This man was a shepherd. God's gonna bless the business so it's successful. And the Bible said this, verse 14, our oxen may be well laden. The oxen was the tractor trailer that hauled your goods to market so they could be sold. What do you see there? I'll bless everything you're doing. Let's go a little further here. We need this in our day to day. 
verse 14 and a half. Our oxen may be willed that there be no breaking in or going out. There's no outcry in our streets. God will protect me from harm. Nobody's going to break in my house. There's not going to be violence in our streets. God protects us and brings peace to the land. I sort of like that right there. Now, I want you to watch something with me. Let's read verse 15. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Let's read it carefully. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I didn't make this up. Right there it is. Guess who wrote that right there? Guess who wrote that? The Bible said this. Deliver me from this liar so I can find the happiness that God brings into people's lives so my family can do well, so my business can do well, so I can prosper and I can be protected. What was you looking for, Doc? <laughs> what, what do you want in life? Has he not covered it all? I'll tell you what let's do. We got time. Go with me a little further. Turn a few pages to the right to Proverbs chapter three. This was my original foundational passage. I love Proverbs chapter three. All right, listen to me carefully. We're going to hear it again and again. Proverbs chapter three. Let me just read. I know we're spending a lot of time in the Bible today between me and you. What he's got to say is better than what I got to say. Proverbs chapter three. I love this right here. I love the words, my son. Just pause there. Numerous times through the Bible, he said, he just starts out. He doesn't say you idiot. He says, my son. I love to talk to my son like it was. I said, now son, or to my daughters, I don't say my daughter, I say sweetheart to them. Can you not hear the voice of a father here? My son, watch what he says. Do not forget my law, my teaching. Let your heart keep my commands. What did he say? He said, he said, son, let me run your life. Let me call the shots. Let me lead. That's what he's saying. You say, well, he's a dictator. <laughs> did you not see what happened when we tried to lead? My, I limit, limit, now listen to me. Why does he want to run your life? Let's follow. My son, listen to me. Verse two, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Son, let me run the show so you can have a long life and a peaceful life. Let's go a little bit further here. Let me just, this whole, let me, I'm going to bounce a little bit. Look me in verse 10. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 13, happy. You know, I've heard people, I've actually heard preachers say this with these ears right here. I've heard preachers say, God doesn't really care whether you're happy or not long as you're holy or whatever they say. If God don't care whether I'm happy or not, why have we read it so many times in his book this morning? Ask me, somebody, ask me through the camera. Ask me, brother pastor, did you want your children to be happy? no. No, I didn't want my children to be happy. I just wanted them to sit in their rooms and do nothing. I'm telling you, religion's crazy. Happy. Let's read it again. The Bible said this, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Verse 14. Her proceeds, you know what wisdom is? It is the way of God. It is the mind of God. Her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. Her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. Everything you desire cannot compare with her. May I make an announcement? There are some things on this earth that money cannot buy. There's some, now listen, we got to have money. Did he not promise your vats would overflow with new wine? Did he not promise your house would be full? But I'm going to tell you something. You can be a multi-billionaire and be a dark, miserable soul. There are some things more valuable than money. That's why he said nothing financial comes close to the great stuff I give. So we need to value the big stuff. Let's go a little bit further here. All right. 
Verse 16, length of days is in her right hand and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are way of pleasantness. How would you like to enjoy your life? I'd like a pleasant life to enjoy it. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. Somebody should come up with a saying after reading all them happies, it goes like this, happy, happy, happy. Sounds to me like somebody wants somebody to prosper, do well, be happy, be blessed. Am I making this up or is this the man's book right here? Let me go a little bit further here. Uh, verse 23, you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. What's going on in our land today? People laying awake at night worried. what did the Bible say? Let me run the show. You'll go to sleep and sleep like a baby. You won't be afraid. This is the blessing of God on the life who says, I am not God. You are God. Take over. Drive the show here. <clears throat> the Lord will be your confidence. Uh, let, let me cover this. In case you're concerned about what's coming, verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked. The Lord will be your confidence. What are you looking for? Did you... Now I'm going to ask you a question. Everything he promised right there for the one who follows him, you can do better than that. Why in the, let me ask you a question. Why would I not say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way? Why would I not say where he leads me, I will follow? Why would I not sign a blank check and say to him, fill it in? There's only one reason a person will not let God run their lives. They've been lied to. And they've believed the greatest lie ever told. And the greatest lie ever told is you can do better for you than God can. I doubt it. All right, let's go back. Turn back to Psalm 128. I'm going to show you something. Psalm 128. All right, here's where I need to, I need to start aggravating some people here. Psalm 128. The blessing of God, and you've seen the blessing of God, it's health. It's financial prosperity. You enjoy your work. Your family does great. You're happy, happy, happy. We read happy five times this morning. You live to be old. You sleep like a baby. That's the blessing of God. That's what God does for people who will follow him. All right. Read with me Psalm 128 verse one again. Blessed, rewarded, blessed by God is everyone. See the words everyone. That means anybody on this planet who honors the Lord and walks in his way. What did it say I have to do to have everything I'm looking for in life? I have to honor him and I have to do what? I have to let the man drive. Walk in his way. Dear ones, I can't walk in his way and my way. And if I will say, not my will, but thine be done, which is a good prayer, what do I see is gonna happen? If I will walk in his way, let me point something out here. This is where I get in trouble. He did not say become religious. You can be as religious as the Pope and not walk in his way. In your heart of hearts, you're still driving the show. You can go to church every time the doors open and you're still the boss. It's not about going to church. It's not about being religious. It is about in this heart right here saying, have thine own way, Lord. You're God, I'm not. Here's the greatest lie ever told. You be God, good. Let me make an announcement. Brian be God, bad. You say, I think I'd make a pretty good God. Mind if I watch for a while? Mind if I watch for the, for the lifetime? You be God, not good. Don't believe, listen, 
Do not believe the greatest lie ever told. The first lie ever told in world history. Don't believe the greatest lie ever told. You be God, not good. God be God, good. This is not hard here. So the Bible teaches this. All right, let me tell you something about this. Let me tell you something. I've been hearing this lie every day of my life. I've been a believer 40 some years. I've been a preacher 30 some years. Every day of my life, I still hear this lie. You say, well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, I live in a planet where there are two voices. There's the truth that sets men free. And there's the lie that always says, do it your way. Do it your way. Do it your way. There's, hell has never belched out a greater lie than the old song, I did it my way. <laughs> Your way is a dead end road, Doc. I, I know the word of God. I know the truth. I've been following Jesus for years and I still hear a voice that says, your way, do it your way. Guess what the name of that voice, what does the Bible call that voice? Temptation. That voice is called temptation and I still hear it. But just like Eve, I have a choice whether to listen to it or not. But you know, I'm about old enough and I'm about experienced enough now where I've decided even if I'm drawn toward my way, I have seen where my way takes me. And I have seen what this man can do right here. I'm sticking with him. I've decided to take the crown off and put it on him. None of this Jesus is my co-pilot crap. I don't hear that mess. I pulled over on the side of the road. I got in the trunk and locked it and let him drive. Guess where I was going to take me? Guess where he will take me? I'm going to say it again. It's not about religion. It's not about going to church. It's not about listening to Christian music. Who is driving the boat? The man who walks in my way at heart level just lets me run the show. All right, let me make an announcement here. Satan is a liar. And there's not a person on this planet in this room or listening to me who has not been charmed. We've all been charmed. Turn and let's look at it. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is, I think, is the foundational verse in the New Testament. In case you're trying to decide which God to follow, read this verse first. Before you pick your God, read this one right here. <laughs> Before you pick the God you want to follow, you might better read this verse right here. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief who is also the liar. I'm going to show you that in a minute. He came to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundant to the overflow. Look at me. Which one do you want? Do you want an abundant life and an eternal life that overflows? Or do you want steal, kill, and destroy? If you want abundant life, follow Jesus. If you want steal, kill, and destroy, follow Satan? No, 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 no. Satan didn't tell Eve to follow him. She said, you follow you. Which God do you want and what do you want as a result? All right. This may irritate some of you, but so be it. Here is scripture. Satan has an accomplice in his mission. It's not Hugh Hefner. It's not Larry Flint. It's not Madonna. His accomplice is religion. And religion has taught a lie. You say, I can't believe you said that. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day. And I want you to look at what he said to the religious leaders. He said this in John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. I bet, don't you know that went over good? Don't you know when he's standing there in this meeting and they were in the church at the time, the temple, and all the people around and they're having a little bit of a discussion and Jesus just looked at the preachers and he said, you are from the devil. Don't you know that went over great with them? 
I just got a feeling preachers didn't appreciate that. You're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Can I ask you a question? Why would you let a murderer tell you what to do? Why do we let a murderer tell us what to do? Let's go a little further. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Now watch these words. He is a liar and he is the father of every lie. Tell me what he is. Guess what liars do? Move to the front of the class. A friend of mine who's a pastor, he told me that he had, after service one night, he had a ruckus in a room and he went in there and a couple of his associate pastors who had a lady in there and she was demon possessed. And she, this demon was showing off a little bit. It was a man's voice coming through a woman and he was, this lady, he, the demon was cutting up a little bit and this little associate pastor was nervous and he was talking to her and he said, he said, let me tell you what my associate said, Brother Brian said, my associate said, said this, you tell me the truth, you lied devil. <laughs> He's trying to get that devil to, why would you, get, you don't need to make them talk. Just throw them out. That's right. That's right. You tell me the truth, you lying devil. Let me make an announcement. He is incapable of speaking truth. That's why the Bible said there is no truth in him. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. All right, follow me for a little bit here. If he's a liar and he says, you be God, good, He's lying. You be God, not so good. Just, I've had a pretty good life. You're going to fall over one day. How good's it going to be then? You be God, not good for eternity. You're going to need somebody else to get you in there. So the Bible's very clear that he's a liar and his accomplice is religion. <clears throat> Let me just hack everybody off here. The church was put in the earth to represent God. Everybody in agreement with me? Did not Jesus say in John 5, 14 to the church, you are the light of the world? Show them what I look like. Represent means to re-present somebody. The church is supposed to present God to the world. Represent God to the world. Obviously, Jesus thought they weren't doing a very good job here. All right, I, got to, I went to church when I was young. I got drugged to church when I was young. And then I started dating girls when I was a teenager and their daddies required us to go to church, required me to go to church with them. So I, I went to church several times when I was young and in and out and whatnot. And uh, I'm going to cut to the chase. The God I saw in the church was not the God I see in the Bible. I'm not being unkind. I'm just telling you. We got false advertising going on here. The God I saw in the church is not the God. I'm not saying it's not in yours. I'm going to give you five words that line up with scripture for the God I saw in the church. Number one, hard. The God I saw in church was hard. Matter of fact, Jesus went off on the preachers in Matthew 23 and he said this, you bind heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders hard to bear and you won't touch them. You know what Jesus said? Why do you make life so hard on people? In Matthew chapter 25, there was a man that God, at the end of his life, he stood before God and he said, why didn't you walk with me? Listen to what the man said. I knew you were a hard man and I didn't want to deal with you. God's not hard. You know what's hard? When you be God. That's hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Uh, let me make an announcement. When I was my own God, that was hard. 
that was hard. So I saw a hard God that was just hard and mad. Number two, the God I saw in church was ugly. He was ugly to people and he didn't like people because the people in them churches didn't like people. And the preacher didn't even like people. He hollered at you the whole time. And I kept wanting to ask, what's he so mad about? Let me make an announcement. God's not mad. I read in this book, he's so big. If he was mad, we'd all be in trouble. Let, let, me, let me help you. Let me help you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. He's not mad. He's good. But the God I found in their church was, he was mad. And he was ugly to people. Number three, the God I saw in church was impotent. Then people said, you should become one of us. And I said, what for? Do you think I want what you got? You're miserable. You're depressed. You're in trouble. You can't stand each other. And you want me to become like this? Do you know what I found? The God of this Bible changes people's lives. The God of this Bible brings abundant life. He don't make you miserable. He don't put your hair in a bun. Not that mine would go. He don't make you look miserable. He don't put a black dress on you. And he don't make you look sour. Rejoice in the Lord's what I see in this book. Happy is the man whose God is the Lord's what I see in this book. Number four, he's boring. The God I saw in church bored me to tears. The greatest challenge was not obeying God. It was staying awake through the service. If I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> Number five, he was a minor leaguer. The God I met in church was a minor leaguer. You gave him an hour or so on Sunday morning and you forgot about him the rest of the week. No big deal there. Just something you tacked on to your life. He was not your best friend. He was not the good father. He was not the way, the truth, and the life. He's just something you did on Sunday mornings and went about your business. Didn't mean to get carried away there. But let me tell you what else I saw. And I, so I was, that's the reason I didn't follow God because the enemy lied to me and said, you could be a better God and the church misrepresented him. But let me tell you what happened. I began to meet some people and I saw some people that, matter of fact, they weren't very religious, but they had something I wanted. There was a love in these people. I mean, they loved people. I'm going to go a little, this is crazy. They liked people. There was a happiness about them. There was a peace about them. Storms didn't rock their worlds. They were, there was just something that attracted me to them. I, I couldn't explain it. They weren't rich. They weren't the, the most beautiful. There was just something in here about these people that attracted me to them. And you know what I found out? That was the real God in there. And he had made, the Bible said that, by the way, God don't make people ugly. Ecclesiastes chapter three, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Psalm 28, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. God makes people beautiful. And I began to look at them people and say, this ain't what I saw in church. But whatever you got, I like it. And I began to follow them. And then obviously it wasn't long before I met the God of the Bible. And I realized, son, you've been lied to. And you've driven your life into the dirt and you're in a mess. Listen, nobody could tell me anything when I was young. I'm going to do what I want to do, be my own man. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. I had no idea that there were strings on me. And somebody else was calling the shots. And I was running from the love and the goodness that I longed for because I'd been lied to. And then the truth broke through. Matter of fact, the scripture is very clear. The Bible's pretty clear right here. I found there's a guy in here who said, I am the way the truth 
and the life. And I found out I was not the way. I was living in a lie and my life was headed downhill. And now I want to make an announcement. I began to follow Jesus. And dear ones, if it don't work, don't do it. This book can stand up to the test. And I began to follow Jesus. And uh, as you might have figured out by now, I may not be the best follower. I may not be the most religious and polished person because I really don't care for religion. You, you, you sound to me like you're antagonistic. Oh, you think it sucks. Yeah, I'm antagonistic because it's a lie. It has misrepresented the beautiful God of this book that gives life to people. And I've followed him for years now. It, it didn't say, I got friends who say, pray this little prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. I don't believe that. If you will follow the man and keep following him, one day you'll end up in glory. You don't get to glory by praying a prayer. You get to glory by following the man home. I want to make an announcement. You can't follow the devil to heaven. If you follow the devil, he will take you to hell. There is something, somebody should write a song, write a song called Highway to Hell. Follow him, that's where he takes you. Follow Jesus, he takes you to heaven and he has taken me to heaven on earth. Not perfect, but I'm going to tell you, I got as good a life as you can have in this imperfect world. I've been blessed beyond measure. I got that peace on the inside. You're looking at one fat, happy old preacher. And I don't have to be on vacation to be happy. Jesus is pure joy. My marriage, my wife is like, listen, she's perfect anyway. She's like a fruitful vine in the heart of my house. My children are like olive plants around my table. I have been blessed. The Bible said, I'll give you more. I opened the refrigerator door the other day and something fell out. And I said, he said, you wouldn't have room to store it. I've been blessed beyond measure. Not because I'm a preacher. That normally puts you in, in the nut house. Not because I'm religious. Because in this heart, I want to follow that man. And I found out I don't make a very good God. He is it. Blessed is the man who walks in my way. Bottom line. All right, I'm going to quit asking you a question. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to say it again. It's not about being religious or going to church. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the way, the truth, and the life? Or are you going to believe the liar? And depending on who you believe, who are you going to follow? Yeah. I, I'm not going to try Jesus. This is Sunday. I'm following him today. When I get up tomorrow, it'll be Monday. I'm going to follow him Monday. I'm going to follow him Tuesday. And in every issue of life, I'm going to say, here's what I want. What do you want? When somebody cuts me off, and I want to give them the finger. Aren't we spiritual today? There's something that wants to give people the finger when they drive like idiots. Can I get a witness? Or am I the only pagan in the house? Yes. But you know what the deal is? Not my will, thine be done. So I just pray, dear Jesus, can I give him the finger? Answer's always no. The answer's always turn the other cheek. And you know what? I don't go, crap. Crap, I can't give him the finger. I'm a Christian. I can't do it. I can't do that. You know what I've learned? Blessed is the man. I just laugh and I say, I was fixing to get unblessed, wasn't I? <laughs> Amen? I'm going to follow him Tuesday. I'm going to follow him Wednesday. I'm not, you say, well, you're so spiritual. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. I can see. I have figured out my way is the highway to hell or the highway through hell. <laughs> 
his way, blessed is the man who will follow me. The decision is made for the rest of my life. I'm not a very good God. He is great. And you're going to follow, you're not going to follow Jesus or Buddha, Jesus or Allah or Jesus or anybody else or Jesus or Satan. It's always between Jesus and you. Yeah. Are you going to be God or is he going to be God? Yeah. It's always, that, that always begins right there. And that's just the bottom line. Blessed is the man who does that. Now, let me, I got to throw something in here in case you're nervous that you're not a great follower. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right every time. Don't worry about it. Can I do this? It's not the issue. Can you do it? Man looks on how many times you've stumbled the hour of appearance. God looks on the heart. In my heart of hearts, I want to follow Jesus. He's a better God than I am. I've decided to follow him. If I miss it, I'll get up and start over. I want to make an announcement. Let me show you how good he is. He allows you turns on the road to glory or the road to hell, whichever one you're on. It's the heart issue. Do you want to follow the man or you want to follow? You only make one big decision in your life. Who's going to be God? You or him? And in my heart, I want Jesus to run my life, every decision. When I miss it, he points it out. <clears throat> and I, I do what's called repent. Can I spell repent for you? U-T-U-R-N. Repent is you turn and get back on the highway following Jesus. That's all it is. And just in your heart of hearts, you've decided you want to follow him forever. All right. Let me make an announcement here. People say, how many, a man asked me last night, I was up and said, how many members you got in your church? And he said, how many you got down there? And I, I thought, how many what? <laughs> Do you want to know how many, what the occupancy is? How many warm bodies shows up? How many followers I got? How many disciples I got? How many children I got? How many what? We weren't called to put warm bodies in a building. We were called to make disciples of Jesus, those who want to follow him. And dear ones, everybody in this book, it's not about signing a card. It's not about attending a service. Jesus never said sign a card. He never said become a member of a church. There's nothing wrong with that. What did Jesus say to every person he walked up to? Somebody tell me, follow me. Every person he walked, he didn't say pray a prayer and go to heaven. He said, follow me. And that was the point in their lives where they had to make a decision. Not will I become Methodist, Baptist. Am I going to be a devil worshiper? Am I going to keep doing what I want to do or am I going to start following that man right there? And a lot of good people. Matter of fact, there was a young man who said, I have never broken one commandment. I go to church every Sunday. And Jesus didn't argue with him. Apparently he was telling the truth. But he turned around and walked off. He said, I don't mind going to church and I don't mind being good, but I'm going to run my life. You're not going to. And he walked away. This is what the Bible said. He walked away. See, I know he walked away sad. <laughs> Why would you want to drive towards sadness when you can follow Jesus? Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. Everybody had to make a decision. There had to come a point in their lives where they say, I've heard him. Today I decide I'm going to start following him. I'm not going to be God anymore. Only one person can sit on a throne. Me and Jesus can't sit there. I'm, I'm here. My job in life is to beg you, get off the throne, let him run your life. Not because it's the right thing to do. It is the better thing to do. Blessed is the man. Are you with me? 
Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. I don't know why we complicate this thing so much. I don't know why religion has muddied the stinking water so badly that people can't hear the crystal clear voice of God that says, follow me. Follow me. I pray in Jesus' name for every person listening today that when they hear that voice that says, you be God, good, they'll, <laughs> they'll say, that's a lie. Me be God is not good. Me be God good for a while, but not for long. I praise you and thank you that you are good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I pray for every person listening to me. I don't care whether they've been Christians for 40 years or they've never said yes. That every day they get up, they put their boots on and they make up their minds. I have decided to follow Jesus. And every time a decision arises, Jesus is Lord and I am not. Not just because it's the right thing to do. Father, your word doesn't say it is right to trust in the Lord. Your word says it is better to trust in the Lord. And I want to praise you. I just want to take a moment and say thank you for the tremendous life you've given me. I was headed to jail or hell. I'm not sure which one. And you have done everything you said you'd do. Not because I'm good. I probably struggle more than anybody you got on your team. But you are good. And you tell the truth. And I want to praise you and thank you for that. And I want to pray for every person out there that is still trying to decide who their God's going to be. Lord Jesus, put it in their hearts to say, not my will thine be done in everything. I trust you for that. May Jesus be exalted forever because you are wonderful. In his precious name we pray. Amen and amen.